thank you for your living word. We thank you for the encouragement, for the inspiration, for the challenge, for the guidance, for the blessing that's contained in it. Thank you, Lord, as we share it today, that you will open up our hearts, our minds, our spirits to receive it. And Lord, it may be implanted in our spirits, and may it bear fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Kings chapter 6. I want you to go there and just find your place and hold it for a moment or two. Uh, we'll be reading there presently. Second Kings chapter 6. Now God has many tools with which He uses to fashion and mold our lives. Sometimes it is faith and patience. Other times it is success and reward. On occasion, He uses persecution and even favor. Sometimes, although He uses reversal and loss, all of these things and many more He uses to fashion and shape our spiritual lives. One of the most difficult things for us to handle is delay. When God causes delay in our lives, we find that that tests us like nothing else. It tests our faith, our patience, our trust, our weaknesses, even our strengths. If metal is going to be used to carry strain or going to be used to carry weight, it's got to be forged in the fire. It's got to be made strong. And of course, it has to be able to bear the load. And if it's a hundred-story building compared to a one-story building, then it may have to be stronger uh, to be able to take the strain. And God knows how much strain and weight that we can carry. Today, I want to show you about the problems of delay and the potential of delay. Actually, a delay, if God causes a delay in our lives, you can be sure it's for a good reason. He's got purpose in it. And it can turn out to be the greatest blessing that we ever had. Sometimes we look back. It's easy looking back because you look back, you've got 20-20 vision, haven't you? And it's easy to look back at incidences and times and moments in our lives whenever we were impatient and we couldn't wait for God to do something. And He did wait. And He waited and waited. But it's only looking back that we see the wisdom in the delay and the blessing that came with it. And so in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, this is a story concerning uh, Jehoram, King Jehoram, the prophet Elisha, and the besieging of the city of Samaria by King Ben-Hadad of Syria. In, cha in chapter uh, 6 of Second Kings, verse 24, we'll read from there. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove's droppings for five shekels of silver. So things are really, really bad. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? 
from the threshing floor or from the wine press, which were both empty. Then the king said to her, what is troubling you? And she answered, this woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her, and the next day, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. So uh, it's gone from dire starvation to cannibalism. So things is really, really at a pitch here. Not happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes. And as he passed by on the wall, the people looked. And there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. And then he said, God do to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. Uh, there was a seven-year drought, according to the word of Elisha. And so he's blaming him and everything. But Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. The king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take my head, take away my head. Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait? Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. First danger in delays. And there was great delay here. There was no sign of any deliverance whatsoever. They thought that when things would get bad, that God would come and rescue them. But there's no sign of that at all. They were just eating their own children. That's how bad it got. And so, there's a danger that during delay, that you feel that the Lord has forgotten you. Everyone in this city had felt the Lord has certainly forgotten us. No help is forthcoming. All of her prayers <clears throat> has been empty and wasted. The king has tore his clothes. He holds no hope in his heart. We're all going to die. We're doomed. Now, of course... Our personal situations has never been as bad as that. But nevertheless, there has been occasions when it seemed like all of our prayers has gone unanswered and we're in deep trouble and there seems to be no help forthcoming and the Lord seems to be impervious of our desire for deliverance. You ever been in one of those situations and the delay continues? And so that you feel the Lord has forgotten us. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 13, Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, 
Break out and sing in O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people, and he will have mercy on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. There's just a familiar cry, isn't it? Oftentimes, whenever we are in real trouble, and God delays sending the answer, we may not verbalize it as plainly as that, but maybe the thought is in our heart or in our minds, God, you've forgotten me. You've forsaken me. But then God answers that and says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. The Lord has her best interests at heart. Trust me. And if and when he delays the answer, you can be sure it will be for our benefit in the end. It will be for our good. In Isaiah 39, just back a little bit. Let me move on to Isaiah 50. I have several scriptures here, and for the sake of time and space, I think that I should cut them back a little bit. Isaiah chapter 50. Not only do we find that often we feel that God has forgotten us, but there is a great danger, of course, that we forget the Lord in the midst of our difficulty in the midst of our problem. In Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10, Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Who among you fears the Lord? Is that you? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Is that you? Yet who walks in darkness and has no light. God has promised us if we obey Him and if we fear Him and we revere Him, that we will have light and that we will not walk in darkness. Let Him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon His God. There's times you may feel I have no light. You may feel I'm in the dark. I have no idea what God's up to. I don't know what he's doing. I cannot see it plainly or clearly. In those times, above all times, you have to do what he says here. You have to trust the name of the Lord and you have to rely upon God. In chapter 51, listen to me you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from whence you are hewn and from the hole of the pit from whence you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed and increased him. 
For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Whenever you feel somehow that God hasn't heard, that your prayers are not being answered, and that the delay is continuing, and maybe you say, I don't know what God is up to right now. I wish I did, but I don't. Then you have to look back and remember those times, what the Lord brought you out of before, what He brought you through before the battles and difficulties that you had then, that you thought then I wasn't going to make it. But you did make it because the Lord came for you and the Lord delivered you and the Lord blessed you and the Lord helped you to overcome that situation. Sometimes you just have to look back and remember. Jehoram didn't know that he was 24 hours from deliverance. He said, why should I wait for the Lord any longer? I'm going to do something myself. I'm tired waiting for an answer. Have you ever been in that position? Where you've been tired waiting and you grew impatient? Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? But little did he know that within 24 hours, the whole city would be saved. There'd be enough food for everybody 10 times over. But he didn't know that. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? And so there's two dangers in delay. One, that you feel the Lord has forgotten you. And two, that you forget about the Lord. And both are wrong. But the trouble is that men cannot wait. Samus said, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? The martyrs cried in Revelation 6, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? How long is it going to take, Lord? Here's the martyrs in heaven in Revelation 6 that has given their lives for Christ. And they're saying, Lord, how long will it take you to avenge our blood on the earth? Well, of course, we know that God has got a timing in everything, hasn't he? In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter encourages the saints. 2 Peter chapter 3, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandments of us, the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and of the earth, standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then was existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, mockers were saying, well, where is this great promise? Your promise is that he's going to return. Well, it hasn't happened. It's always been this way. 
You've always been saying that God says this and God says that and God says the other, but nothing changes. Scoffers. But then he gives the reason for the delay. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but here's the reason for the delay. But is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Scoffers ought to be thanking God that Jesus is coming has been delayed because that has given them an opportunity that the door of mercy is still open because when that door closes, there will never be another chance. And so, in a sense, even though we look for him and we long for his return, but for the sake of those who are still unsaved, even in our own families, in a sense, it's good that he has been delayed. Of course, it's all in God's perfect timing. It seems a delay for us, but it's still a perfect timing for God, isn't it? Do not forget this one thing. One day is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. In Hebrews chapter 11, towards the end of Hebrews, the great faith chapter, Verse 35, women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented, of whom the word was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now that seems a little bit cryptic to you at the end. Let me just read that in the New Living Translation. Particularly that end bit. All of these people we have mentioned received God's approval because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. What had God promised? He had promised the Messiah. He had promised that Christ would come. And all of those Old Testament saints did not live to see that promise fulfilled. 
They did not live to see the fulfillment of all that Christ was going to do through his church. Because when Christ came, God raised up his church. And all the blessings that would come through his church and all the advantages and all of the benefits, they didn't get that. But he said, for God had far better things in mind for us that we should also benefit them. For they can't receive the prize at the end of the race until we finish the race. In a sense, they ran the race that was set before them. But we have a race set before us. Christ has given us a race to run as the church. And whenever we finish our race, not only will we get the rewards for running our race, but they will get their rewards. They're waiting for us to finish running our race. They will not be complete without us. No matter how blessed they were, no matter how mighty they were, they will never be complete without us. We are going to complete. And then there will be one body. Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, one body. And what a delight that's going to be to the heart of God. And what a blessing that's going to be to those Old Testament saints. You see, they look forward to Christ's coming. We look back that he came. But now all of us are looking forward to his second coming. Whenever we will be complete, and they will be complete. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? And so they are waiting for us to finish our race. Then all of us will receive the prize that God has got for us. There's a reason for delay. And God has got delays for us. And we need to be patient and trust Him. Mary and Martha cried, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. And that's true. But then they would never would have saw Christ in the power of the resurrection dead four days. By this time he stinketh. Corruption had set in. But the Lord raised him up. And not only was that a wonderful evidence of the resurrection power that he had, but it was also, by the way, an evidence that he really was the Messiah. The Jews believed that that was one of the evidence of Messiah. So, King Saul cried, because I saw that you came not within the days appointed. Samuel told him, he says, wait seven days till I come to you. But he couldn't wait seven days. And in his great pride, rather than wait for the prophet to come, he entered into the office of the priesthood and he offered up a burnt sacrifice, what he had no business doing. And whenever Samuel came, he says, what is this you have done? Whenever Saul realized what he had done, he knew he was in big trouble. And Samuel went to walk away and he grabbed him and tore his garment. And Samuel turned around and says, God has torn away the kingdom from you. In other words, your ministry is finished. It's over. It's gone. He would not wait and trust the word of the Lord with a prophet, because I saw you came not within the days appointed, 
That was his excuse. And so we have difficulty waiting. We have difficulty being patient. Why can't we wait? Is it because life's too short? It's too unpredictable? Or is it because we cannot see the big picture? Is it because we're living for time rather than for eternity? Sometimes when you go through a situation that you just cannot understand, you've got to try to see the big picture. Say, Lord, I can't understand today, but Lord, if there's a delay in my life, if it seems to be you're not coming through, Lord, there's a purpose in that. So I try to see the bigger picture. Is it because we just can't trust God to come up with the goods or to keep his word? That's what happened to Abraham, wasn't it? And his patience and patience were just an Ishmael. And Israel's impatience were just a Saul. They went to Samuel. And God was leading the country, a theocracy. God was leading them through his prophet. And he says, no, we want a king to reign over us like other nations. Major, major mistake. And God says, okay, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And he gave them Saul. And boy, what burdens he put upon them. What taxes he put upon them. How many of them lost their sons through wars because of Saul? Rebecca's impatient robbed her 20 years, company of her beloved Jacob. If only she had awaited and trusted the Lord for the promise for the younger son. But she couldn't wait. She got so impatient. It's not going to happen. Somehow or other, this son is going to miss the blessings of the promises. So I'm going to help God out. And so she tried to help God out, and we know what happened by doing that. The Middle East has been in turmoil ever since. Why should we wait? Because God's ways are perfect. You'll get an Isaac instead of an Ishmael. You'll get a King David instead of a King Saul. If you wait. Lamentations 3 and 5, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. Noah waited 40 days in the ark, and then it says God remembered Noah. That doesn't mean to say that God had forgotten about him. God wasn't sitting on the throne one day and says, oops, I forgot about old Noah there. He's bobbing about in that sea down there. I better do something quick. No, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly how long he was going to be in the ark. It says, God remembered Noah. It means now was the time for God to act and do something about this situation that he had planned to do. And so oftentimes it's like that with us. God remembers us. There's a time for him to move. The 120 in the upper room, they waited for 10 days, and the Holy Spirit came as promised. Joseph waited in prison for two years. The Bible says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. You remember how he had the dream about the butler and the baker? And he told the dream, and it happened exactly as he told it, and the butler was released, and he said to the butler, When you go to the king, tell him that I told the dream exactly as it was. And the Bible says that the butler forgot all about Joseph. But God hadn't forgotten about Joseph. And God allowed Joseph to language two years in that prison until Pharaoh had his dream. 
And once Pharaoh had his dream, then suddenly, lo and behold, the butler remembered. See, it's easy looking back and seeing the hand in God in that story, isn't it? It's easy looking back and saying, well, sure, God made him forget so that he'd be there two years until Pharaoh had the dream. It's easy looking back and seeing all that, but it wasn't easy if you're the one in the prison and you're the one that's been forgotten about. It's not easy, is it? But sure, it was God's plan all along, wasn't it? Psalm 37 and 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 31, 15, my times are in your hand. Galatians 6 and 9, God has a due season for us. If what? If we what? Faint not. Boy, that's the waiting part, isn't it? Waiting until God's due season comes. Waiting because his times are in his hand. Waiting patiently till God remembers us. That's why we should wait. How should we wait? We should wait in confidence. In Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us about confidence. Hebrews 10, verse 35. Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Cast not away your confidence, which is great reward. You have need of endurance or patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive promise. Lamentations 3.26 It is good that a man should hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. How should we wait? In confidence. How should we wait? In quietness and in hope that God will come through. Amen. How long should we wait? Until we get the answer. Daniel had to wait 21 days, didn't he? Prayed and fasted till the answer came. Abraham had to wait 25 years. Joseph had to wait two years. Jacob had to wait 20 years until he came back to his home again. Sarah had to wait until she was 90 to have her baby son. Can you imagine that? She must have been right and fit at night, yeah? Imagine waiting until you're 90. But she trusted God. And she got her miracle, didn't she? Jesus had to wait until he was 30 years old before he began his ministry. 30 years he lived upon this earth. 30 years in his family home. 30 years as a carpenter. 30 years working with his hands like any other man serving a trade, doing a business. 
And then suddenly after 30 years, his ministry began. And what a ministry it was. It shook the world for 2,000 years. But he was patient, wasn't he? He didn't rush. He waited until the right time. Jairus, a ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus. He says, come and lay your hands upon my daughter. She's at the point of death. In other words, please come and please hurry. There's no time to waste. She's about to die. And Jesus said, I will come. You know what happened on the way? A little woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says a great multitude followed him. And that little woman battled her way through the multitude to touch the hem of his garment. And he stopped in the middle of it and said, who touched me? And all the while, Jairus is waiting. Every second counts. She's breathing her last breaths. Could this wee woman not wait? She's had her life. My wee daughter's dying. Does Jesus not know that? I told him he needs to come. And while they're speaking, one comes and says, Don't trouble the master any further. Your daughter's dead. It's too late. The delay has been too long. What would you feel like if you were Jairus? Your heart would sink in your boots, wouldn't it? The look on his face must have said it all because Jesus immediately turned around and looked at him and says, Do not be afraid. Only believe. And you know the end of the story. They get to the house. And Jesus said, she's just sleeping. And they mocked him to scorn. And they put them all out. And they took the parents and Peter, James, and John. In Talitha Kumai, I say unto you, little girl, arise. And she rose up. <laughs> what a mighty miracle of God. Can you imagine the joy and excitement and the thrill of Jairus and his wife. It's almost indescribable. The emotions he went from to, from being in the depths of absolute despair and maybe even angry to sheer joy. What a delay. And Jesus, when he heard that his friend Lazarus was sick, he abode still where he was. They sent for Jesus to come, and he didn't come. He deliberately, consciously did not come, and Lazarus died. And by the time he came, he was in the tomb four days already. If you had have been here, if only you had have come here, why did you wait? It's only down the road a couple of miles. Surely nothing was more important and more pressing to you than your dear friend dying. Hmm. 
But Jesus saw the bigger picture, didn't he? He says, I'm glad I wasn't here for your sakes. That you might believe. He was going to do something that was going to absolutely just blow them out of the water. Completely. Wouldn't you love to have been there that day? To see that man walking out of the tomb with his grave clothes on? Wouldn't that have been something to see? See, when there's a delay in our lives, God has got a reason for it. Sometimes it's us that's not ready for the answer. Sometimes it's because he wants to give us a greater answer. Sometimes it's because he wants to teach us something that we need to learn. So he delays. Adoniram Judson, we'll close with this. Adoniram Judson spent six years in Burma before he had his first convert. He was a keen missionary. He had a passion to be a missionary. But he went to Burma and he found out that if you can't speak the language, you better learn it if you're going to be there for the duration. It's all right if you're there for a couple of weeks, that's fine. But if this is going to be your passion for the rest of your life, you've got to learn the language. You've got to be able to converse with those people. So for 12 hours a day for three years, he learned the language. He learned it so well that books he wrote about it, they're still referring back to it yet to this day. Six years before he had his first convert, he says he wanted to have a church of 100 people. It took him 12 years to get 18 people. Did he give up? No. No. He was in prison for 17 months because of the war between Britain and Burma. Horribly tortured, terribly treated, nearly on to death. But did he give up? No. In fact, by the time he died, he had over 8,000 converts, a hundred churches, 163 missionaries. And he translated the whole Bible into Burmese. It took him 24 years. Myanmar, which is now, which was Burma, is now the third largest number of Baptists in the world, America the first, India the second, and Myanmar the third. And all of that was influenced and came about by one man who didn't give up when he was delayed. And he waited six years for his first convert. William Carey known as the father of modern missions, great missionary to India. Seven years, seven years before he won a single convert, he ended up translating the New Testament into 40 languages. He gave the scriptures to what was then a third of the world's known population then. And he founded churches and colleges and orphanages and leprosy missions. We still talk about him today. But at the start, all of the results, all of her efforts, 
all of their passion, all of their input was delayed until God moved. And then suddenly it exploded. <laughs> Delays are not denials. I know it's a cliche, but it is true, isn't it? Delays are not denials. So are you waiting patiently? Are you holding on with every fiber? Are you trusting even though you can't see any results? Are you saying, Lord, I don't know what to say or to do anymore about this, but I'm going to believe you. Keep trusting in the delay. Keep patient in the delay. Keep holding on in the delay and see God turn it around. And then you can look back and say, God, I'm glad there was a delay. I've learned so much. I know so much more now than I didn't know then. Maybe God's preparing you for something that you don't even know yet. You're chomping at the bit. And God's saying, hold back a little bit. I'm still working on you. You're not the finished product yet. You're not ready for that. You see it. You're keen to do it. But you're just not quite ready. Just wait and trust me. And you know you do that and you begin to relax and trust God. It's amazing then how quickly things can work out in your favor. Amen? Let's pray.